The following podcast may be explicit. Shedcast presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome to the character creation extended episode for our Dungeon World campaign, Perils of Parandisi. We begin with Kurt, Mike, Joe, and special guest Chris. Later, everyone joins as we talk Dungeon World and character creation. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome to The Shed for Adventures from The Shed. I am Joe, and I am going to be the Game Master as we get started in creating characters for our Dungeon World campaign. We're going to go around the table and introduce ourselves, but I'm going to let you know who's here. We have our regulars, Kurt and Mike, and then we have a special guest, Chris. Now, let's go around the table. We'll start with Kurt, and let's say hi. Hey, it's Kurt. Really excited to uh, uh, try a new game. Excited to not be playing a dwarf and to not be playing a cleric. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Thor. What's wrong with dwarves? <laughs> hey, this is Chris. I'm very happy to be here as a guest. Looking forward to playing Dungeon World, one of my favorite games. Yeah, mine too. Uh, this is Mike. I uh, I love Dungeon World, and I hope you guys like it too. So uh, we're going to throw it back to Joe and, and get this thing started. And I'll catch it and throw it right back. So what we're starting with today is we're going to do some character creation. Uh, Mike is a very um, prepared individual, so he has his character ready already. and he'll, he'll help me field questions with Kurt and Chris as we get going. But both Kurt and Chris are creating characters today. Kurt is completely new to Dungeon World, as he kind of mentioned during his little hello. Chris and Mike are both in the Dungeon World game that I've run for just over a year at a friend's house. And that's been a blast. So they've got some familiarity with the system. Although I think, as Mike, you pointed out in an email, uh, you've played for a year and never looked at the rules. So it's kind of yeah. easy to play the <laughs> I, game. I've still never read the rule book to uh, Dungeon World, even though we have this really nice printed edition that just got, it went on Amazon. Yes. Um, but... Uh, 400 yeah. pages. Yep. Still never read it, but uh, it, it is fun and easy to play, so yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I came in here, and I saw the rule book on the table, and I was like, oh, my God, there's actually a printed rule book? <laughs> yeah. See, that's I've my never binder. seen one of those. That's yeah. my binder of the printed PDF over there. It's a little bit different from the nice new one that they have out. Yeah, it's like uh, double the size of the new one. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, and it's all the same. It's the same amount of pages, because I printed two-sided, which is kind of neat. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to get started with today is uh, Kurt, Chris, what do you guys have any questions about as we get started? Especially Kurt, because you should have the most dumb questions. Yeah, so I am completely new to this. I played, as some of you who listen know, a fair amount of Pathfinder, uh, some old D&D, and then we did the starter set for 5th edition. They were great. I am not familiar with the Dungeon World system. I did read Skim, the 400-page book, and it seemed far more complicated than Joe had led me to believe it was. And so I kind of gave up and remembered what uh, Mike had said at one point, which was, well, you just roll a 2d6 for everything and add something. Uh, So I kind of gave up on the rules. Um, I held off on actually creating my character until today because I knew we wanted to record it. But I am looking forward to uh, creating a druid for this campaign. You you just kind of roll 2d6 and then just let Joe tell you what. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. Hopefully, you're telling me what happened before you roll it. I do remember that high is better than low. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that is, is usually is the case. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I would mention, I did, um, I did share it with the group, and apparently nobody read it. But hey, anybody out there <laughs> listening who wants to see it, if you're interested in Dungeon World, not only go look at the actual rules themselves, but there's a great guide out there written by a few people. Um, that the name of it is just Gun- Dungeon World Guide. And if you search that, uh, you'll find it out there. The, the version I have is 1.2, but it gives you a lot of real 
examples of how the game works. Mm-hmm. So you, you can read in there an entire little scenario that the, this GM played through with his players with a, a little sidebar that shows what decisions he was making and why as the game progressed and how people actually described their actions. And that's kind of how it works. But as far as Dungeon World goes, what I like to say is Dungeon World itself is what D&D was described to you as before you started playing. Yeah, that's, that's right. a good way to say it. So D&D itself has that whole aspect of numbers, and that kind of starts messing with the system. And, well, starts messing with the fantasy in my, in my uh, uh, perception. But when you, when you talk about the gaming, and I'll use an example that's actually in this guide or similar to it, that it, when you first sit down with somebody who's never played a game before, and you sit them down and you're going to play uh, Dungeons & Dragons, you got them ready and you tell them, all right, now an orc's coming at you with a club. What do you want to do? And typically the answer is, well, I want to block it or I want to jump out of the way. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, you're playing a D20 system. You really, I mean, there's this abstraction called armor class, which, I mean, it's a base 10. I can't tell you why, but it starts at 10. And <laughs> then you add your armor and then your dexterity, but your armor may have a penalty. And then you have this number. So your, your armor class is 15. And now I'm going to roll and you, I got to see if I hit you where... You put all that together, and that's kind of daunting as far as when you told somebody they could just do whatever they want, and now they can't. Well, in Dungeon World, I tell you there's an orc coming at you with a club, and you say, I want to dodge. I'm like, well, that sounds like defy danger with dexterity. Roll it. And you're in control of it the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to fit the Dungeon World rules to the actual action. Um, like a book or a, a movie. I like to. I, w- I always reference the Lord of the Rings movies when I make examples for Dungeon World because there are so many things you cannot fit into a D20 system that are in the things that we're familiar with for epic movies. There were so many times during the uh, playtest that we just played that I was like, and I'd like to dodge. And it's like, no, it's not my turn. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm just yeah. going to have to hang out and take this and shot take in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I like about what you said is um, this game's nice because you can expand your characters in that just because I'm playing one character doesn't mean I'm in a box where I can't try other things. Right. You can try anything you want. And yeah, one stat might be better than another, but you still have at least a decent chance of succeeding. Right. Mm-hmm. I will just mention if anyone is interested in the book, um, it was out of print or not available for a long time. It's on Amazon. I think it's about 20 bucks, or you could maybe get it from your uh, local gaming store. But it is well done. It's not nearly as fancy as the Big Wizard of the Coast book. It's black and white, but it's well written, and it's actually pretty witty and humorous. There's a lot of funny little asides, and the language that they use is much more irreverent than you could expect from Wizard of the Coast or Paizo. Um, so if you're one who likes to have the books like I do, it's worth picking up. All right, and one thing I'm going to say is um, if on that note, either through the PDF or the actual printed book, it's page 47 that actually does character creation. Now, when we went through this on our Monday Night Dungeon World game, when we started, we actually went through character creation by the book. And that's mm-hmm. what I want to do here. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, and I'm going to do this kind of a little expose to Dungeon World as well, especially for Kurt's benefit. And what we'll do is start right from the beginning. So the first thing that the game wants you to do is to choose a class. In this case, we already have classes chosen. But the way they want you to choose the class is you can take a look at each of the character sheets and get an idea based on the starting moves what's interesting to you. Because as Chris said, you can, your character can do anything. You can, roll, you can come up with anything, and if it triggers a roll, you make that roll. But there are things that some characters do that others just can't 
that, that are specific to that, the druid, for example. And no matter how much a bard might want to, he can't roll to turn into a wolf. It just, yeah. that doesn't happen. So everything a bard could do and a regular person could do is available. Right. But there are those special starting moves. So for everyone's benefit, what are the classes in mm-hmm. the book for... So I, I'm expanding our game to include the Barbarian that they had as part of their Kickstarter. Okay. But in order, Kurt, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So we've got the Bard, the Cleric, the Druid, the Fighter, the Paladin, the Ranger, the Thief, the Wizard, and the Game Master. So, Oh, that's very, a class? <laughs> I picked that one. <laughs> very, uh, very similar to what we would think of as fairly core D&D uh, yeah. archetypes, the Thief being fantasy. the Rogue. Yeah. yeah. And if you get a, a little bit more advanced with your dungeon world, there are other builds online that we've started to try out on our Monday night game. Uh, so you can... Yeah, because of the popularity too. of the game, there are plenty of alternate classes written up by people that, right. that mm-hmm. can be very good, but at the same time, when you've never played before or if you've never played some of the basic classes, there's still so much to do that yeah. expanding it beyond that. Uh, that. That taxes me as a GM because now I've got to look at all new classes and learn them. And in our Monday night game, we just did that, but we started a whole new game, which makes it easier. Yeah. So see, first, see, I still feel like for me, uh, and Chris, you don't know this, but I played a lot as a young kid in the mm-hmm. early to mid-80s and then got into computer games and didn't play tabletop until like three years ago. And so to me, the Druid is a new class. Yeah. You know, I mean, I really remember Wizards, Rogue, you know, Wizards, Rogue, Fighters, Cleric. That was it. Well, even for me, I, I, aside from video games, I haven't played a Wizard in, in any of the RPG games that we've played. I usually play the, the tank or the, uh, the, the sneaky guy or, or something like that. But, uh, this will be nice and new, and I'll have a lot to do because there's a lot of pages for the wizard that you the get fighter, fighter yeah. just doesn't have. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have classes now. Kurt, you picked? Uh, I will be trying a druid. All right. And Chris? I'm going to be the bard. And Mike? And I'm the wizard. All right. So we have that. Now, on the character sheet, on the left-hand side is a race section. And that's the races you can choose from as part of your class. Now, the way this works is... In Dungeon World, they don't define, in the book, and and Kurt, you may have seen this when you skimmed through it, the races aren't defined as an elf is a six-foot-tall, pointy-eared, thin-bodied, delicate creature. That doesn't exist in Dungeon World. We establish what the races are. Now, I think what we have done and what we'll probably do as we start here is just use what we already have in our head as an elf, and, Mm -hmm. and then we'll describe it as necessary. So there are things that you don't get it because you are that race, like an infravision or immunity to sleep spells or any of that stuff. But one thing you do get is that thing that is next to the checkbox. So, Kurt, what, is, what race did you choose? Right. So while I don't usually play humans, I'm going to pick the human for this particular game. Um, and I'll just say, can I say what each of the three options would have given me? Yeah, go right ahead. So the elf, uh, the sap of the elder trees flows within me, which means that I am always, uh, in addition to any other attunements, um, I'm attuned to the great forest, and it's considered to be my land, and and that affects the abilities that I have and what I can shape shift into. It looks like later, mm-hmm. um, I was tempted uh, out of selflessness and the goodness of my heart to pick the halfling because basically every time you make camp, um, I get to heal allies one d six. Screw the allies! But having yeah. just <laughs> having just played a uh, dwarf in the last game, I, I just want to be a little taller and broader. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the human and. Uh, 
all kidding aside, I actually like the ability. I'm definitely what's drawing me to the druid this time is the shape shifting. And so the human says, as your people learn to bind animals and to field and farm, so too I am bound to them, which means I may always take the shape of any domesticated animal in addition to all my normal options. Cool. So you can be like a house cat. Oh, exactly. Like a cow. So I can turn into or a cow. pussy whenever I want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, See, that should be pretty often. That that's sort of interesting. That was fuzzy was he? Remember? Because I remember a halfling druid that I played with, and he was very stingy with his healing, <laughs> as in he didn't well, do it ever. <laughs> Mike is well, referring we, to Chris. Yeah, I, I was a halfling druid in the last Hunter <laughs> game. First, I'll say right now there was a lot of halfling racism going on in that game. Uh-huh. They were anti-halfling. But this isn't so, discretionary. This is not So I was offended. Uh-huh. And two, we had two clerics and food and all kinds of stuff and resting bonuses. It was like, it was just never needed. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, when I lost my arm, I didn't see anybody crowding around to heal me. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point there. So what do you got with the bard? Yeah, what race did you choose? I am going to be an elf. What um, does that give you? And it gives me, it says, when you enter an important location, you can ask the GM for one fact from the history of that location. Very good. That, that's yep. going to fit that character mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and the other um, option for the race is a human. It's the only other race option you have with a bard. And it says, when you first enter a civilized settlement, someone who respects the custom of hospitality to minstrels will take you in as their guest. So Very I guess good. I'm not going to be getting a lot of love as an elf. but mm-hmm. Well, you still will, you but could not still, to that level. You'll be charismatic, probably. <laughs> yeah. If you look like Legolas, you're good. Like, the yeah, love him. You're a really nice guy, but no, you can't you can't <laughs> come in my house. And so Mike, as the wizard, what race did you choose? I'm also gonna be an elf. Um, which gives me magic is a as natural as breath to you. Detect magic is a cantrip for you. Nice. Which is which means that I don't have to spend a spell to uh to take detect mag- magic, so I have it all the time. Nice. That's normally a first level spell. Usually right. a first level spell, so I can use get something else instead when I when I'm picking. Uh, the other choice is human, uh, which allows the the character to pick one cleric spell and cast that as you would a wizard spell. And I figured maybe someone else would heal, so I, I think I'd be all right. <laughs> you you kind of hope so. Yeah. And if not, we'll have some healing potions or some crap yeah. out there, right? Uh, and then number three in the book is to choose a name. Um, we already had names here, but uh, I'll mention this is one that, to me, it would be better if they left the name for later. However, on the Dungeon World character sheets themselves, there are a bunch of name options. They give you suggestions right on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but our characters do have names. Kurt, what did you name the druid? So his name is Shadrock, uh, often referred to in civilization when he was younger as Shadrock the Lame. And if he had friends, maybe they would call him Shady. But for now, he is Shadrock. Does he have a limp? Maybe uh, he's just lame. He he did. When we talk about backstories, that will be part of it. <laughs> All right. You know, when you had first said it, I thought you said Shag Rock. Ah. Like, is that the fuck rock? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a or little is more Beastie Boys. Rock. It's like Ad Rock, <laughs> but a little more. Ah. <laughs> That's what his friends call him. They call him uh-huh. Fuck Rock. <laughs> <laughs> or Shady. Yeah, well, Either it's, one. It's under a tree. <laughs> right. Right. Chris, what do you pick for a name? My character's name is Aglanor. And that's all. I didn't go into the lame or anything because he's actually pretty awesome. Huh? Aglanor, the pretty awesome. And I am Snickle Fritz Bombus. And his, his friends call him Fritzy. 
<laughs> we had a, we had an offline discussion about this that lasted for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a whole ball of unfortunateness. Right <laughs> and now again, as an ease of character creation on the sheet, there's a look section, and and the number four thing is to choose the look of your character. So you can choose one from each list, Ooh. and that helps you define what your character looks like. Or if you already know what you want your character to look like, then you decide you decide that yourself. However, that's a nice. Thing, if you're following the actual character creation, to be able to pick one thing from each list gives you a, a nice, generic, yet um, imagination-opening idea for what your character might look like. Mm-hmm. Did you pick anything? These don't affect skills or anything. They're nope, just not physical. At all. all right, so I will have haunting eyes. Eyes? <laughs> Lazy eye. Ha- haunting <laughs> eyes, messy hair. Lazy eyes. <laughs> well, I, well... I, uh, you sounded like the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that fun? And life multiple choice is hard. Practical leathers. So my yeah. choices. I don't know if does everyone have the same. No. And no, is traveling by back and keeps cats. Uh-huh. So, so I could have had wise eyes, wild eyes, or hunting eyes. Uh, I could have had a furry hood, and I'm t- very tempted by furry hood. But for now, I'm going to go with messy hair. Or I could have had braided hair. I'm also tempted by fruit. And, and then uh, <laughs> ceremonial garb, practical leathers, or weathered hides. So. All right. So say the ones you did pick again. Oh, so I have uh, – <laughs> sorry. Haunting eyes, yeah. messy hair, and practical leathers. Cool. So it's a very unlike Kurt. And assless chaps. Who has uh, <laughs> assless chaps? Kurt has neat hair, normal eyes, and a sweater. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> and I'm wearing Christmas colors today. Uh-huh. So. I took my Christmas. Kurt's color. probably the least druidic person I know. <laughs> hey, Chris, what'd you pick for a look there? Uh, my character's look. The options for his eyes are knowing eyes, fiery eyes, or joyous eyes, and he has knowing eyes. His hair is fancy hair, wild hair, or stylish cap. I chose wild hair, even though it's kind of a in between wild and fancy. I guess you could call that normal. Fancily wild. Um, his uh, garb would be finery, traveling clothes, or poor clothes. I chose that he always wears traveling clothes. And the body type is fit body, well-fed body, or thin body. And he's thin. Okay. All right. What's and, our wizard look and like? And my choice is uh, the eyes... Uh, Haunted eyes, sharp eyes, or crazy eyes. I picked sharp eyes. Uh, styled hair, wild hair, or pointed hat. And I picked wild hair. However, he wears his crazy spiked up wild hair usually under a top hat. A top hat? <laughs> yes. Is it like the hair holds the top hat up? Um, no, it's just sort of hidden underneath it, and okay. I think that's probably why it's wild, because he always has this hat on. So Are you making Abraham on, Lincoln? No, no, <laughs> not Abraham Lincoln. He could have had hair like that under he, the hat. He could have. When you take the hat off, does the hair go boing, boing, boing? Yeah, pretty much. That would be cool. And then, uh... No, he says it. He goes yeah. <laughs> out of the side of his mouth. <laughs> then there's worn robes, stylish robes, or strange robes, and I circled stylish robes. However, I picture him as not being that kind of wizard and having more of a long leather coat instead of a robes, actually. stylish coat. Like a duster? Yeah. Sort of like a duster, only Uh, more like old-fashioned, like it has buttons up the front. I like like how we start that nobody brushes their hair. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) We we start with that. 
Uh, the next thing we're going to go on, number five. Oh, I still got more, man. I got, oh, I'm I sorry. I got four I on mine. I thought you said the... And then there's the body type, oh, apparently, the type. on mine. Right, I got I'm four, sorry. Go and, and it's, the choices are pudgy body, creepy body, <laughs> creepy, creepy body, body <laughs> or thin body. And I circled pudgy body because I picture him as being slightly out of shape, uh, even for an elf. So, so. A, leather <laughs> coat, a leather coat that's bulging. Yeah, he sort of has that that beer gut. Uh, okay. How would you define a creepy body? Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> That's I completely up I have no idea. Mm. Right. I guess if you're all like, like gangly, uh, like the character Euro on the Monday Night one, everyone just thinks of him as creepy, and yeah. you've got yeah. creepy in your head, but nobody's really described what that is yet. That's true. It's just playing creepy. I, I think it's more the player. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard given that you never see them in mainstream media. Yeah, I, I just picture as like this this tall guy that like. He uh, partied hard for like a while, so he in just, wizard like, school, he just sort of is super tall, but he has this like beer gut. <laughs> well, as a wizard, you know, in combat and stuff, he's not moving around a whole lot. He's yeah, just yeah. Donut in one hand, cast a spell with another. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, and our next step here, and this is the one that will usually take the most time, uh, and that is choosing your stats. Now, what you'll see on your character sheet. Right above the spot where all the stats are is a black line that goes from left to right all the way across the sheet, and that your array of numbers is in that line. Now, what, you lo- what you'll do at this point is you look at the character class that you've chosen and look at the starting moves to see what is the, call it your prime or your main stat, and that is where you would put your top number, and your top number should be the 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like for the the druid, it's wisdom. For the bard, it's charisma. For the wizard, it's intelligence. So that's where you would most likely put your top number. And then from there, the rest of your character is what I would say you put it where you want your character to excel. So here's where you take a combination of what other starting moves you have that may or may not use something different. And then look at that basic move sheet. So... If you want to be uh, better in hand-to-hand combat, you want strength. That's going to be a hack and slash. If you want to be able to use a bow or any kind of ranged weapon, and then that's going to be dexterity. That's going to be um, what you roll for the volley move, a basic move. Uh, then for things like uh, discerning your surroundings, the discern realities move, that's a wisdom move. Spout lore, which is your character knows something, and you're going to roll to figure out what that is. Um, you you pretty much consult your general knowledge of stuff, and that's a an intelligence-based uh, move. And then we have other things like parlay, which is charisma-based. That's when you have leverage over a GM character, and you want to uh, take advantage of that leverage. And like usual, constitution mm-hmm. is your health points. So constitution will help determine your hit points as well as if you choose if if you have a high constitution, you can use that as a means of defying danger. So if there's a poison cloud coming at you and you know you're not fast enough to get out of the way, just take standing, it. Standing stand there, there and like holding it. your breath while you plow your way through, that would be a constitution based defy danger. It always depends on how you've described what you're doing. So once you have a high stat or a high modifier in a stat, then you find ways to use it, even if it's not a move you would normally think of your character doing. So like I say, that, um, the, the blade trap swings out of the wall. What do you do? And normally as a character or as a person, I'm going to duck and get out of the way of the darn thing. But if you have a stat like Constitution that might help you withstand it better, it may, it may turn out to be like a half damage or some kind of thing. You figure out how you want to take advantage of that. So 
having not played a druid, I imagine a lot of my combat I'll be trying to do in in animal form. Is strength going to be where most of my yes and no? Was? This is this becomes a tricky one mm-hmm. because of the way Joe does the druid, and Chris is familiar with this. I guess Mike is too because he's mm-hmm. at the same table. One of the ways that they wrote the game for the druid. It, t- it says you pick an animal form and the GM tells you something that goes along with that animal form. I kind of flip that around. I take it as you as the player, why are you turning into a wolf? Is it so that you can sniff your prey? Is it so that you can pounce? Is it so you can knock somebody down? Are you going to claw them? You pick what the main thing or things are that you're turning into a wolf for. Then when you take that shape change and you get hold, you use each of those holds to do one of those things one time, and you just get it, okay? Now, mm-hmm. if you're just like, I'm going to hit this thing to deal damage to it, that is a hack and slash. But say you're turning into the wolf so you can knock something over, and you have two hold. And you're like, I want to knock over that orc. Use a hold, you knocked over the orc. That, yeah. That's how we play that. Yeah, and I, and I found uh, playing the druid that, obviously, wisdom was your main concern, but uh, strength was my second second stat because... Anything you want to accomplish outside of the of what those holds cover, any kind of attack or anything like that, like are running into things. You know, a lot of times I would change it to an animal just to charge into a group to to disrupt things. Right. Um. It's it's usually a lot of hack and slash sort of stuff. That's what I so uh, so it's mostly strength rules. That's how you can lose an arm though. Yeah. Yeah. I tried it once against a <laughs> pretty powerful dude. It didn't go well. And then would intelligence or spout lore cover like knowledge of nature? Um. Uh, actually, it covers anything where you are saying, my character should know something about this. What is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. That covers it no matter what the situation is. So if you want to be smart overall, the know-it-all, the knowledge of all trades, jack-of-all-trades type of thing, right. um, that's uh, intelligence is a good one to have. Okay. Wisdom is intuiting your surroundings and what happened here recently and what's about to happen and things like that. And, and like the ranger, when they do tracking, they use wisdom. And are my hit points as the druid, do I get a new pile of hit points when I transform into an animal? No. So, like, remember Fuzzy Bear in the yeah. last session had, like, 50 hit points? Very different, very different. Okay. So, in here, I think there's an advanced move that does something with hit points. Yeah, there, there's an – actually, I think it's a basic move. Or not – I mean, not a – Starting move? Yeah, starting move. Um, where you can use your last hold or what holds you have left to revert revert back to your – True form, mm-hmm. and it negates all damage done to you. Okay, so you can run in there, take the big hit for someone else who's hurting, and just you got to turn back to your old self. But at least you don't take damage. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But like to start out, my max hit points is six plus my con modifier. So and that won't change. So let's just yeah. say that I started off with you know seven hit points. And it, it's actually as a technicality, it's not plus the Constitution modifier. Mm-hmm. Let me go That's off on a tangent oh. just for a second. <laughs> okay. When you look at your character sheet. There is the three-letter abbreviation. Mm-hmm. That means modifier. And then the full word means the actual stat. Ah, okay. Okay. I, I, I keep forgetting to look, but I don't think that's spelled out in the book. But if you look at that heart where it mm-hmm. tells you your hit points, it is plus constitution, not plus con. Gotcha. So it's going to be plus the number you start with. And where that can make a difference, like Mike was saying, that's your hit points. Well, when you level up, you actually can add one point to a stat. So you could get more hit points. Now, the most you can get more is nine more, because if you did it every level, 
Although I guess 18 is a max. 18 is so a max, right. If you started that with your nine stat, then that would work. But, well, so just uh, so I'm clear when I'm yeah. doing this, let's just pretend I put the 15 in con. Yeah. So I would have 21 hit points. Uh, and now I turn into a bear. Does that bear have 21 hit points? Yes. Okay, what about if I had taken damage as a human, I'm down to five hit points and I turn into a bear? You're still a bear still. with five hit points. Okay, yeah, you're a torn up bear. Yeah. Okay. That's what I need to know. So what Chris was saying is, say you were you turned into a bear, and you got reduced down to five hit points. You could drop with your last hold to your regular form, and you get all of your hit points back to your normal maximum. So I come back at 21. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just know as, as we played, and I got used to playing a druid, I never really had an issue with hit points. I got to where I just kind of ignored them. I would only worry about what damage was coming in. If I was taking a big hit, because there's a, there's ways to negate it. You know, you have skills in here that can up your armor. Um, like there's one skill that says as long as your feet are on the ground as whatever animal you've turned into, you get plus one to your armor. And the ability to negate damage and things like that. Um, so you probably put strength ahead of con on... I did, yeah. yeah. I did. But, but then again, I was playing a halfling, so I was trying to fit that right. perception also. Right. I think I think the strength will really come in handy, because I know when I first played... Uh, yeah. you don't realize like the hack and slash is like all the time. Right. So, well, in, uh, you know, in a different game, playing a different character, as Joe knows, I'd sometimes like to play kind of charismatic characters, but this one is intentionally not. So that's going to be his bottom stat Okay. because of his background and his backstory. He is a shunned loner to some degree. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to waste my points there. So I'm going to yeah. put the bot. What is, what's the lowest one? Eight? Eight. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put eight there, which is a minus one. And Joe, what is this in, in between here? There's all these terms, weak minus yeah. one, shaky minus one, sick So those minus one. are, I believe the official word is conditions mm-hmm. that can be added to your character. What that means, so for example, if you get something that affects you that weakens you, well, the way you're supposed to do it is you check that box while you're weakened, then any strength check you do gets a negative one to the roll. It's and and that applies right across. Okay. Well, it could or be. Or it could be, depending it on. It could be. Right, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, although there's pretty much always a way to reverse things. Right. A lot of the times with a, a rest, you can usually get those back. Or if you get medical attention, you can get those back. Now, the other or if thing you find to... someone to make you a prosthetic arm. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing to watch for, Kurt, is there is a chart. Um, do you have your book? I do. Um, take a look on page 49 at the chart. And what you're going to see is where, uh, when you go up a point mm-hmm. where you get more, because right. it isn't the same modifier to score as D&D, so it doesn't match up what we're used to in our heads. Right. So when you think about this, wherever you put your 15, if you put a point into that, when you level up, it'll go to a plus two. Right. So you can kind of take advantage of that. Wherever you put your 12, when you put a point into that, it'll become a 13, which becomes a plus one. Right. So you can get that idea of right. how you might want your character to progress. So I know where I want everything except I'm so I've, I'm going to make wisdom my top, strength my second, charisma is my bottom, intelligence is one up from the bottom, which leaves me with dex and con. Okay. Now, you you had talked about him being the lame. So, I mean, to me dex is like if he had a low ability to move he would have a low dex right well the the story i don't know if we want to get into backstory but is he's not right ahead we're talking about characters so i don't have a highly developed backstory for him but the the just the outline version of it is as a child he was severely lame with a very very bad limp all the other kids made fun of him 
he had one good friend, but generally they all shunned him. A lot of the adults in town were cruel to him. He was very much an outsider, didn't fit in, had a miserable childhood. Tiny Tim Shady. It's, I mean, really, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like that. Um, just a very unhappy, you know, the haunted eyes come from this very unhappy childhood where he never fit ah, in. He and probably then, played a lot of D&D, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point, he has a, an experience in nature in the forest, um, Smoke some weed. Oh, is what you <laughs> <laughs> um, where he very much finds a mystical connection to natural yeah. elements. Uh, well, probably mushrooms. Then. That literally, no, no. that literally, as he revisits over time, heal him cool. to the point where he is now. You would not know that he was Shadrock the Lame. You would think he was Shadrock the Bordering on Studley, but in his mind, <laughs> <laughs> in his mind, he is very much still that child. Um, and because the place that he has found acceptance and healing is in nature, he is now fully committed to the worship of the old gods and nature and all of that and is not comfortable at all in civilization or society and is going to be very unhappy every time we go to a pub. Wow, that's going to be a great start to the adventure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's his <laughs> yeah. basic backstory. So I don't necessarily uh, yeah. want his con or dex to be low because of that name. So it, for really, I, I could go either way. And I'd get, I guess I'd look to you guys if you think one would be better than the other. I mean, I would... Say probably con because you'll get some more leaning. health from that. But, yeah. um, so that's the way but, I was leaning. Yeah. But I would say when we are in play mode and something's coming at you, nobody ever thinks of using constitution to withstand that thing that's coming true. at Everybody you. Tries to get Everyone out of the always thinks of dexterity. So if it's the difference between a point of modifier, I would personally, because of the way gameplay works, I would put it under dexterity. The way the human mind works, if, if you know, that, that poison dart is flying at you, and I say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever says, well, I'll let it hit me. I can handle it. Nobody ever says that. <laughs> Everyone says, I'm going to suck. Yeah. You can be like Happy Gilmore well, and just kind of stand there. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely thinking, I mean, I know that my hit points are a little lower. I'm definitely thinking of him as more on the tank end of the spectrum than not. Not the tank, but... Um, you know, he, he's animalistic at this point. He's going to be big, bad animals as much as he is able to and all that. So yeah. he might so he might me, stand there and take it. Let me throw something at you then. Say for that purpose, if this is part of your character's makeup, the way you want it to be, when you turn into, say, a bear, and you say, I want to turn into a bear so I can absorb more hit points so mm-hmm. that other people don't get hit, right. then what we would do is those holds would absorb damage. So we could make it like each hold will absorb a D4 of damage or something like that, okay. right? We can do stuff like that, and that is your decision at that point. Why am I turning into a bear? Right. Clearly, you would not turn into a chipmunk to absorb damage, but maybe a bear, maybe a lion or something large, something right. that could absorb damage. So when does um, – where's the break? Is it 15 that you get a, up a modifier? Uh, yeah. 15, 15, 15 to 16, to 16 goes mm-hmm. up one. All right, so it was on page 40. Oh, so you have to get all the way to yeah, 60. Yeah, you can tell the breaks right here, too, just by you know reading the yeah. one stat. Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, from the next stats. Well. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. So what you have left, it looks like, is 13 and 12. Right. So, so 12 is going to go up at the first yes. level. Mm-hmm. Well, it does, only if you choose to. Yeah. When you level up, you get one point to put on any one stat. Yeah. Yeah, if you put your point into that yeah. stat. Oh, right, so I might want to put it into wisdom. Exactly. I yeah. see. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha. I tell you what, it may be the wrong choice, but I am going to go with Khan mm-hmm. as the higher one and then Dex as the next higher one. And then so. that's where I'll say, keep that in your mind when I say that poison dart's coming at you. Right. If you're saying, well, I can handle it, I'm tough enough, 
then we're going to use constitution as your defy danger. Right. And the reason I say it may be a mistake is because my hip, sorry, hit points are a little on the lower side, and maybe that's not how this you should play it, but that's how I'm going to play it. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I won't worry cool. too much about it. Yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm good. I'm done. So uh, what do you end up with stats there, Chris, for the bard? Um, my stats, what I'm trying to structure uh, the bard around is kind of a... Uh, I don't want to use the word mystical, but I guess that's the only word to say. So, kind of a mystical elf character. He's he's very he's mysterious. You know, his um, the backstory with him is Aglanor is a name that's been known through centuries. People know who Aglanor was. He was supposed to be a very wise person, a good advisor. You know, and a, a mysterious person. So, uh, but nobody knows is if is this Aglanor the same Aglanor that was here three hundred years ago. Or is this an elf that's decided to call himself Aglanor to uh, to build his reputation and maybe do some do whatever he wants to do with the name? So uh, so he's trying to structure himself around the legend, or he is the legend. So uh, so to do that, what I did is I put his 16 stat is in charisma. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's a bard; he needs charisma. Good for the bard. Yeah. Yep. The the uh, in the 15 stat I put in intelligence. Because Aglanor is known, you know, he's got all, he's supposed to be 300 years old. He should have all this knowledge and experience about the world. Um, let's see. The 13 stat I put in dexterity so that I can do the opposite of him. I can get the hell out of the way. Uh, the 12 I put in wisdom. Just, you know, I might want to up that in the future just to broaden his knowledge base. The nine is in constitution because he's not the toughest guy. He's not looking to get out in front. But nine is also completely average. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. As far as heroes go. And and the eight, the minus one goes in strength. Okay. Because cool. again, he's if he is going to fight in combat, mm-hmm. he's probably going to want to use a bow or something. He's not going to want to um, be face to face with anybody. Cool. Sounds good. And Mike, what about Fritzy? Fritzy, the idea I had for him was that he was instead of being the 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 oddball on the side, he he's very charismatic individual. So like. The title of wizard in my head was is something that is like earned or bestowed on him, and uh, usually in the world it, it's like a um, like a a thing that is they think that once they bestow it on you you'll travel and you'll help people, and Fritzy instead decided he would just use it to like party and and uh, attract <laughs> <chicks>. women, so. <laughs> Finally, he he got the elders came to him and were like, "Hey, you got you got to get going here." So now he has the adventuring party that he's he's going to go on. But uh, but Fritzy has super high intelligence, or he he has super high intelligence, which as a wizard he needs. Um, he also has the next one down is charisma for him. Um, and then after that we go down to wisdom. Uh, which is always helpful, and Constitution after that. So he has a little bit of hit points, but mm-hmm. but uh, it's not the best, but he can make do. And then Dex and Strength are his lowest, because uh, really his damage, he's not going to be the one in there uh, hitting things with the stick, because he's, he's, be he's only going to do 1d4 of damage if he goes in there and hits him with the stick, but he can... <laughs> Throw a fireball from across the room and and light up. Exactly. All right, so our next step, step number seven for character creation, is setting the maximum hit points. And this one's kind of easy. It's your class's base hit points plus the constitution score. 
So I have a 13 constitution score, and I add 6 to it since yeah. I'm a druid, so, so I would have, have 19 as a max. You are correct. And I have a, a 9 constitution. I also add 6. So I have a 15. Yep. And I have a 12 constitution, but I only add 4 to it, so I have a 16. So everybody has some pretty similar hit points. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the dungeon world, world, that's fine. Um, because most of the time... I think when we're playing, things will happen more than damage will happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try and structure it that way in this game because I'm going to try and have more big things happen rather than just damage. And we're pretty much the the most fragile of the classes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hopefully yeah. When, when Mickey and JJ get back, they will play a, something a little bit more stout. We better and, have uh, a fighter or a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. If you're, um, if you're the hit point soaking bear. Well, I mean, we'll see. That'll be <laughs> you guys will just play a whole world. campaign of just going to meetings and <laughs> yeah. things like that because you can't bother to fight with anybody. <laughs> yeah. be Let's talk this thing out. <laughs> we'll, we'll buy our you'll, way out of it. Yeah, you'll set up <laughs> yeah. a boardroom in a bar and you'll just have meetings. <laughs> so then the next step here, and I think everybody does have something to choose from, is step number eight is choose starting moves on... The character sheet, if there are starting moves that have checkboxes near them, then you're picking something from there, most likely. Uh, it, it, or it'll even tell you, pick something from here. So, um, Kurt, I know the Druid does have something about uh, picking the area that you're most familiar with. What do you have? Right, so there? I have four starting moves, one of which requires a choice. It's called Born of the Soil. Um, the idea is that I learned magic in a place whose spirits are strong and ancient, and they've kind of marked me as one of their own. So no matter where I go, they live within me and allow me to take their shape, which will obviously be important for my class. So I choose one of the following. It is the land to which I am attuned, and when shape-shifting, I may, and this is the key, take the shape of any animal who might live in that land. Mm-hmm. So I was torn between the great forests and the towering mountains, but I've decided to go with the towering mountains, figuring that most things that would live in the forest could also live in the mountains. Now, as a human, <laughs> didn't you get to pick another one? No. Or was uh, that, that was the other one. I get to also, in addition, take the shape of any domesticated domestic, animal. okay. But Elf uh, had the double. Okay. Yeah. That's right, Elf had the double. But then also as part of this, I'm supposed to choose a tell, which is a physical attribute that marks me as born of this particular soil and reflects the spirit of the land. They say it could be a feature like antlers or leopard spots or something more general. Uh, it remains with me no matter what shape I take. And I decided that my te- my tell will be that I... Um, Rock ex- hard abs. <laughs> <laughs> Rock hard abs, I like and, it. And I can see the oh. bear with the six pack. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm not sure if exude is the right word, but let's say I exude a subtle scent of pine at all times. Pine's oh, nice. No, not pine salt. Nice towering <laughs> nice, mountain. Real pine. Pine. <laughs> so we need to get a wagon so we can hang him from the, the yeah. rear view. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that, that's an interesting one. I'd never thought of it as a scent, um, but that's good. I yeah. like it. Uh, good, glad you didn't pick the swamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, I have swamp ass smell. <laughs> it also, it also uh, may turn out that now that I'm not lame and I smell like pine, that chicks kind of dig me. Could be a musky pine. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and that was the only starting move you had to choose from, correct? Uh, it was. Do you want me to mention what my other ones are? Or? Uh, if you like, yeah, give a quick rundown of what you're able to do. Yeah. Right. At the I'm going to do it because I am literally learning this as we go. Yep. Um, I also have what's called... By nature sustained, which simply means that I don't need to eat or drink. And any time a move tells me to spend a ration, I don't have to. 
I also have spirit tongue, which means that basically all the sounds and calls and grunts of nature are as language to me, and I can understand any animal native to my land or similar uh, to one whose essence I have studied. And I guess the idea there is that the druid can spend time studying an animal, mm-hmm. and then once you have learned, you've done sufficient studying, you can turn into that animal, even mm-hmm. if I think even if it's not from your chosen yeah, land. Right. Correct. That's right. So I can study, you know, a walrus, and then. <laughs> We're good to go. You can study a walrus and then bark? You're not a very good study. <laughs> now, I want to know, can I study Chewbacca? Because then that would be awesome. Only if we'll you come out. across a natural Chewbacca. If you come across one, yeah. <laughs> And then la- lastly, and I guess this is the big one, you know, my starting move is shape-shifting, which lets me roll uh, to take the physical form of any species that I've studied or who lives in my land. Mm-hmm. And there's more details about that, but that's the basic idea. And the other thing that I'll say is, um, although I'm a fan of nature, I am not familiar, I'm not like nationally geographically inclined right. to know exactly what animals are there. So whatever we pick, as long as it seems right, it's right. going to work. Mm-hmm. If you, you say, try to I can't be, be a, a giraffe. You can't be like yeah. a porpoise that yeah. you comes <laughs> from the mountains. Yeah, probably <laughs> A <not>. dolphin. Right. <laughs> I'm a mountain dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, for the bard. All right, I have uh, one starting move that requires a choice. It's called Bardic Lore. It says choose an area of expertise. Um, these are spells and magic, dead and undead, grand histories in the known world, bestiary of, cre- of unusual creatures, planar spheres, legends of heroes past, gods and their servants. I'm going to pick grand histories of the known world. Cool. Because, I'm again, based on my backstory, I'm mm-hmm. expected to know things about places. Yes. i got to know stuff about stuff. So uh, the other things, the other moves I start with are arcane art. Uh, when you weave a performance into a basic spell, I can basically choose from a series of buffs to other allies. Uh, I also have charming and open. When I speak frankly with someone, there's, I can ask them a question and they have to answer it truthfully, but then they in reverse get to ask me one that I have to answer truthfully. Uh, and my final ability or move is a port in the storm. When I return to a civilized set- settlement I visited before, um, the GM will... Tell me one thing that's changed there since the last time I've been there. Cool. Now, will the uh, fact that you have to answer a truthful question be problematic if their backstory is trying to figure out whether they're uh, <laughs> no. he's the real guy or not? No. I, like I said, yeah. I, I mean... It could just be that he's convinced in his own mind he's the real one. Yeah. yeah. Or it might... At that, I'll, or I'll make the decision then. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, all of, his, all of this character's moves are... Are very geared around buffing other players, not mm-hmm. getting involved yourself. So. so, one thing I would ask, if you haven't made up your mind yet, that's cool. But will Aglinor be a vocalist or a, a instrument playing instrument. bard? Okay, um, because when we get to this next, the gear on the backside, there's an instrument. I think in, in a couple of the options. So he's, he's not a rapper. No, he's not. He's no. he's trying to break into the industry, but it's not happening. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, Mike, is there anything that you have to choose as the wizard? Nothing to choose, but. I have a lot of different starting moves. Um, not, some of them I wouldn't say are moves. Like it says that I have a spell book, mm-hmm. um, and that I should uh, have my prepared spells and uh, cantrips in there, and it, that the spell book weighs one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's preparing the spells, uh, which I can prepare. A number equal to my level plus one spells. So I guess as a level one, that would mean that I'd have one plus one, so I could have like two first level spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's cast a spell, which I do with intelligence. 
there's spell defense, which uh, I may end any ongoing spell immediately and use the energy in its dissipation to deflect an oncoming attack. Oh, nice. Uh, which I'd really like to try. Sometimes. Yeah, I've never seen that done. <laughs> never seen that one. <laughs> and then so you're like rocking an ice storm, and then you're like, ah, forget about that. And then Make like a, yeah. shift it into a shield, shield or something. Yeah. I yeah. like it. And then there's another interesting part uh, that I'm going to try to really do is rituals where you can like say that you want to have something happen. Or as they say, when you draw on a place of power to create a magical event, you tell the GM what you're trying to achieve. And then there's things that you have to do to make that happen. So there's there might be ingredients. There, it might take a long time. Uh, you might need help, you might need money, but uh, I'm going to try to get something big going several times here. Mm-hmm. Cool. But that's it. All right. So the next part, number nine on character creation, is choosing your alignment. And this is one where I will tell you, don't think of the alignment word as just what it meant in D&D or other games you've played. What it means is the general idea for your character that you want to play, but more specifically, what it means is the the sentence or description that goes along with it. Because at the end of game sessions, you can score experience if you have fulfilled your alignment. So, mm-hmm. And it's one of the few ways to get experience without failing. It's actually mm-hmm. how you play your character that, that makes the difference. So when you look at the alignments that are there... If there's one, for example, that says evil, and it's just something for that says, you know, you do something just for personal gain or something like that. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're evil to the point that you're just out to kill everyone in the world. Mm. It just means that your character tends to do things for personal gain. All right. So think of it that way when you're looking at the alignments. Don't think of it as everyone in the world who is neutral behaves exactly the same way. Gotcha. It is specific to that thing. And it looks like Kurt might be changing his mind here. Chris, do you want to go first with what you have for your alignment? Sure, yeah. Uh, my choices for alignment are good, neutral, and chaotic. Uh, I chose good. Um, and to fulfill my alignment, it says perform your art to aid someone else. Had I been neutral, then my choice would be avoid a conflict or defuse a tense situation. And chaotic, uh, to fulfill that, I would have to spur others to significant and unplanned decisive action. But, <laughs> that's a pretty cool one yeah but i'm i'm yeah. i'm gonna be a good guy helping people out so i, I don't see chaotic sounds really cool but i don't see it fitting that character yeah no nah, not at all mm. yeah. and and neutral also i didn't avoiding a conflict to diffuse a situation mm. Th- this character is um not necessarily seeking a fight but he's certainly not running from one so yeah. okay and mine i have uh good neutral and evil uh i chose yeah. neutral that uh because I thought that the the sentence was interesting and different. It was discover something about a magical mystery. Um, now, in your case, though, a magical mystery would be like, how do they get so many sprinkles to stick to one donut? <laughs> Maybe. I'll have to really talk this out at the end of each encounter. I want to know that. But uh, the other choice is the good is use magic to directly aid, aid another, which is like the easiest alignment to get points for. Yeah. <laughs> That's what but Chris has essentially used. I, yeah, it's pretty much what I have. I really thought I would, I would try to stretch a little bit with yeah. that. And then 
uh, evil is use magic to cause terror and fear. So it is essentially evil because you're <laughs> you're making people because you're doing horrifying. bad things. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're just casting fear against an orc, yeah, yeah, right? I guess. I mean, you can specifically be malicious towards bad things. You don't have yeah. to be malicious towards. But it's hard. It's hard to be a good character when your alignment yeah. is evil. Yeah. Yeah, and that—that's part of the, the what the what I was trying to do with the setup. Evil doesn't mean you're out to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. It means just what it says for that character, and then the way you conceptualize that for the rest of it. It could mean that indeed you are out to genocide. I mean, everybody needs to die, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Kurt, what do right. you end up with? So my druid can choose from either chaotic, good, or neutral. At first, I picked chaotic, kind of thinking of the D and D meaning of the word. Uh, but what is under there is destroy a symbol of civilization. And while I think Sh- Shadrach the Lame, when young, would have very much been that, I think at this point in his career, he is moving on a spectrum away from that. And so I picked neutral. Uh, the experience point sentence for that is eliminate an unnatural menace. Or I could have chosen good, which is help something or someone grow. I'm definitely not good, but I am not uh, as bitter and angry as I was in my youth. And another thing that we've done in the other Dungeon World game, <coughs> excuse me, is that I don't have any problem once we're familiar with the characters, either writing your alignment different or just picking a different one as your character grows or you evolve the way you want to play it. It may be that at some point, um, Shady decides he does want to start harming civilization. And maybe every time you go into town, one of the things you do is you disrupt a local business or something like that. And that's a goal he has. You could shift towards chaotic. There wouldn't be any problem with yeah, that. Yeah, I changed mine a couple of times yeah. when I played yeah. the Druid last time we played. Yeah, or I would be more likely, just the way I have him in my mind, to start chaotic and shift towards neutral. Yeah. But who knows? That might depend on what happens in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the next part, it's actually going to be the last part that we do, um, but uh, we'll talk through all of them. But the last part is choosing gear. So flip the sheet over and right at the top is a section called gear. And you choose one from each section. And really what this is, and and remember what I had said early on, if you're going to create a character quickly and you don't care about background and such, you can get this thing all done in 15 minutes. Um, So the gear is intended essentially to say, these are the important things my character has as we start the first session. It is not meant to include how many different pairs of socks you have, you know, if you carry a razor with you. None of that is really that important. How many feet of rope do you have is exactly. always the big one. <laughs> for, for game purposes and for the way the game is intended to start play right out of the gate, only the important stuff is listed. So, Kurt, do you want to say what you've got there for gear and what might interest you? <clears throat> I am just looking at it now. It looks like I can carry up to six plus my strength modifier, which is plus mm-hmm. one. So I've got seven, I guess, weight units to spend. Yeah, that's your load, as it were. Um, I don't, inv- even though I said I was going to be a little tanky, I don't envision myself starting with a shield, so I'm just going to take hide armor, I guess. Okay. My, my defense is I can have hide armor and or a wooden shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I may come back well, to the Well, you could shield. take the shield anyway and just not use it. I mean, if you check that box and it has both, you, you get them both. Okay, well, let's come back to it if I have weight left. So I'm going to yeah. take hide armor for sure. My armament can be a shillelagh. A staff or a spear. I think I'm going to go with the shillelagh, which is two weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a walking club. It doesn't say that it's two-handed. Do I have to use that one-handed? No. It's however you want to do okay. it. Because the staff specifically says two-handed. That must be that it requires yeah. two. 
Okay, so shillelaghs, so that takes me up to three weight. My adventuring gear could be either... I mean, I have to choose adventuring gear, poultices, and herbs, and or halfling pipe leaf, which I would not pick. So Right, so you would rule out the pipe leaf, pipe leaf right. to begin with, but the adventuring gear, and this is uh, one of my favorite parts of the way Dungeon World handles it, resource. It does handle resources all the way across the board, but adventuring gear is essentially you've got a backpack, a pouch, something that can have something mundane that's useful in any situation. So adventuring gear by default has five uses. And whenever you're in a spot where you're saying, damn it, I wish we had a torch. Well, mark off a use of adventuring gear, you've got a torch. Mm. You know, I wish we had a rope to tie across here. Well, mark off a use of adventuring gear, and now you have a rope. It's designed to facilitate what you need when you need it in one generic container. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. It's the Mary Poppins bag. Okay, so it I'm going <laughs> to pick that. Okay. Which would get me up to four. Okay. Um, and you right. can leave some weight because no, we're going to pick up carrying. a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I assume that the poultices and herbs is for healing. Is that like a healing uh, yeah, pack? Yeah, it is. It, it provides a certain level of healing. And I think we'll worry about the healing as we figure out who all of the characters are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, by default, at least to start, um, Aglanor the Bard does have an option for healing with his music. Yeah. Okay. So I've got four. I mean, I could take the wooden shield... And then I'd be done at five, or I could not take it. I don't. What I would say is take it. Take if it. you decide not to use it, I don't dump use it. it. Yeah. It's, it's easy right. enough. So I've got hide armor, wooden shield, a shillelagh, adventuring gear, okay. and that's all for now. And since you don't need to eat, you are sustained by the earth. Uh, Lucky. You're, you're fine with the rations. It's always right. good. Right. Chris, from the bard's side, what does Eglinor have? I'm going to make it my character's point to just eat dirt all the time <laughs> until I am sustained <laughs> to gain that ability. I like I'm it. just constantly eating dirt. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just thinking, where would you have to eat the dirt from for it to be? Wherever, wherever you like can get it. Marsh dirt? I, I figure dirt. if you're eating dirt, you're not picky. You just got to take what you can get. Um for my gear, it says uh, my load is nine plus my strength. Well, my strength is a minus one, so my I can handle eight weight. Uh, the first thing I had to choose is an instrument. The instrument I chose is the pipes, but it says the pipes with which you courted your first love. Uh, eh, I don't really care well, for that part. This could be Aglanor generations ago. Yeah, sure. First mm-hmm. love. Yeah, we can go with that. That's right. fine if you want to stick with it, but just pipes. Is yeah, he'll be Zamfir in the pan flute. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> my pen flute hitting in your pensies. Um, I also chose leather armor, which gives me one armor and one weight. Uh, for my armament, I chose a worn bow, which is two weight. I have three arrows also, which is one weight. Oh, and a short sword, which is also one weight. Oh, I didn't see that guy. Um, my other choice was dueling rapiers, but uh, I'm not that... No. I'm not that kind of legend. And then I have to choose just one other thing from adventuring gear, bandages, halfling pipe, leaf, or three coins. And I chose the adventuring gear. Sounds good. So I have cool. a total weight of six out of eight. Cool. And Mike, what is a wizard? And speaking of six, uh, that is my maximum load <laughs> as I am a weakling and I have seven plus strength, which is negative one. So I picked from the choices to have leather armor, so that'll give me a plus one armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my weapon will be a staff, and I'm thinking it says that it's a two-handed staff, but I picture it more of like a little like a cane it's with a, a bobble cane. on top. Right. So maybe he can hold it that one-handed. <laughs> um, and then the to what color is your pocket square in that jacket? 
Uh, I don't. I think I need that for the image. I think he he would like use prestidigitation to 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 change it by the day. Sure, why not? And I assume he's going poofy Italian style, not rigid. That changes too. (laughs) (laughs) You got to know who you're trying to impress. And uh, the last thing I get is a healing potion, which always comes in handy. It it certainly will. Yep. Uh, all right. So now we have that part. Uh, the last two pieces for this are ones that we're going to skip for now. One is introduce your character. We've kind of already talked about who the characters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly is choosing bonds. I'm going to skip choosing the bonds for now because I think I want to pick those as we get all of the characters together. Right. I want to find a way to, to link all of them once we get all four of the normal characters together, as well as the bard, uh, we'll pick some bonds that are suitable to the whole party rather than just this beginning group. Uh, with that, we're just at an hour now, and that's going to wrap up our character creation for our upcoming Dungeon World campaign, and we're going to get on with uh, some more recording to get our first adventure started. But for now, everybody can say, Bye-bye! That wraps up character creation for the Bard, the Druid, and the Wizard. We continue now with the full group as Mickey and JJ create the Thief and the Barbarian. Hi and welcome back to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. I am Joe and I'm the Game Master for this Dungeon World campaign that we're getting started. In the Shed with me today is the entire crew plus our special guest. We're going to go around the table and start with Mickey. Everyone say hello. Hi everyone, it's Mickey. Back from another podcast that haven't kicked me off, so I guess I'm doing all right. Yeah, you're fairly entertaining. This is JJ here. Um, we're going to be playing Dungeon World today, so I am excited and uh, looking forward to doing this. My name is Chris, and I appreciate the invite back. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> In Soviet Russia, the happy is here happy for you. Be here. <laughs> hey, this is Kurt. Uh, as you may recall, I am playing Shadrock. Uh, once Shadrock the Lame, now Shadrock the Moderately Attractive. Ooh. <laughs> Very nice. And I'm Mike. Uh, Shadrock the Sexy. I am going to try to help with some character creation. And I feel with this full house that the Olsen twins should be here. But you I'm going to throw it back to oh, Danny Tanner. That's a heck of a and, good uh, point. Here. Here. <laughs> I want Charles in charge of me. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Easy, bit, Easy, boy. <laughs> as long as we're saved by the bell, we're all good oh, to go. Oh, well, this is getting worse. <laughs> all right, it was Kid Asok. Um, so what we're doing today we're we're going to spend a little bit of time and get uh, mickey and jj's dungeon world characters created i'm going to do as i did last time with uh kurt uh mike and chris i'm going to go through the character creation step by step from the book so we have the first step is choosing a class and we both have a class already um go ahead and say what you picked i picked a thief Okay, JJ? I'm going to be the Barbarian. All right. Now, the second piece is to choose a race. And if you look on, on your sheet, there on the left-hand side, there's a section for race. In Dungeon World, a, the race itself is what we conceive in our heads. What the mm. race means for your character is you get something cool. Okay, so that's what it means. It does, like, like if you picked human, it doesn't mean you're the st- typical human that you know about. Um, it could mean you're an odd human. It could mean almost anything. If you pick elf, you may be like the typical wood elf, or you may be a high elf, or you may be a deep elf, or who knows what, right? But the, what is important is the thing that's next to the uh, race there. So, Mickey, what did you pick for the thief? I chose to be human, 
What does that give you? Her cool thing is when I spout lore or discern realities about criminal activities, I take a plus one. Plus, I'm a professional. Connected (laughs) with that criminal underground. What would your other choices have been if you had selected them? Halfling. And what would that have given you? It would have given me, uh, when I attack with a ranged weapon, I deal plus two damage. Mm. Ooh. That one that would have been nice for Breathe the <laughs> Halfling, yeah, would have been nice. But <laughs> JJ, what do you have for the barbarian? I may be an elf, dwarf, halfling, or human. It's a big uh, choice big list brief. there. I know, so I'm going to choose all of the above. Uh, I am an amalgamation. Okay, so then what you need to do is take the first word from the first one, the second word from the second one, the third word from the third one. He's interesting. I'm an elfling. I mean, from the cool thing. His thing says outsider. Oh, I don't. Yeah. um, So at the beginning of each session, the GM has to ask me something about my homeland, why you left, or what you left behind. If I answer them, I mark XP. Interesting. So I I should look at the. I gain no actual bonus other than. Experience and story driving. So now, what race are you actually going to be? I'm thinking about being a humming. Uh, a halfling oh, barbarian man. would be fun. <laughs> a halfling barbarian wouldn't <laughs> yeah. really fit what I have in mind, <laughs> unfortunately. So we have the human barbarian and the human thief joining be, the party. The, the half-dwellfling. I could uh, be a half-dwarf. Half-dwellfling, it's everything. Third, <laughs> third on the list is choosing a name. Now, on the top of the sheet, there are a lot of names that you can choose from in the interest of quick character creation. However, I think you guys had some names picked out. Yeah, I want to play Demaya. Demaya. That she's got one name. That's it. Cool. I couldn't come up with the last it's name. It's like so. a Madonna messed up. Or Cher. <laughs> well, that's three syllables, though. <laughs> JJ, who is the barbarian? See, no one's ever going to remember this, but my name is Ock Thak Katho Kathy. So Thak okay. then? But uh, everyone calls me Strong Dawn. Yeah, it's an abbreviation. <laughs> <laughs> he uses all the letters that aren't in his actual name to come up with his nickname. Exactly. <laughs> I'm looking at the initials and seeing if it makes an acronym for like an Adat Walker or anything. From oh, ATK. Oh, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, the, the sheet on the top right, our, our step number four, is choosing a look. Now, Dungeon World does have pieces there for you to pick from, but if you know how your character looks already, you can just describe what you think your character looks using the same idea as what's there. Okay. I didn't like any of the choices on here, so I kind of went <clears throat> with my own. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, my character, think of someone who's she looks very regal, tall, sleek, um, red hair that she always has back in a high severe bun severe and you'll understand a little bit of like kind of okay. why once we get a little more she's into her personality she's not a prude <laughs> she's um very adventurous swashbuckling um a, a bit of a, like a devil may care attitude but With a little she, bit of librarian that's there. right that's what i was thinking <laughs> she had horn rimmed glasses and what, well, every time everybody talks she's, <laughs> everybody pay attention god because she uses um she's kind of like the, the if you think about stories or, or television shows, she's the typical um, kind of criminal element that uses her looks to get the better of the men in her life. She oh. kind of just she wants to be able to let them she wants down. to yeah she Feminine wants to be able wiles. to en- enchant them in order to Ooh. steal their money. Cool, nice. my kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> so JJ, what is strong Don? Strong Don. So going down the uh, look thing, um, he has uh, polychromia. So his eyes are different colors. One is uh, a brown, and the other one is a piercing blue. That's um, not a rash or something? It's not a rash. Okay, okay. Rash on your eye would be, I don't even know Thank what that sure. would be. Itchy. Pink eye? It would be itchy. Pink uh-huh. eye? Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose. 
a scratched cornea. All right, um, so he has two different colored eyes. He has two different colored eyes. He is um, mighty in build, and he mighty. is covered in strange tattoos. Okay. Um, and if, upon inspection, you notice that they're not from any one particular source. They're dick, huh. they're dick drawings. Um, <laughs> Nobody and he me. does wear weather inappropriate clothing. Weather inappropriate, inappropriate clothing. clothing? So, yes. like weather, weather inappropriate. inappropriate. So ah. like uh, loincloth in the winter, a parka in the summer. Exactly. Okay. Hmm. Weird though. Hmm. So he's not too bright. No. <laughs> Hello, Bye. barbarian. Hello, muscle. <laughs> and then the next step for us is choosing stats. If you look right above where the stats are, there's a black line across the sheet that shows your array, the numbers you get to start with. Okay. Um, what you want to look for when you're choosing the stats is look at the starting moves for your character and see what you should excel at. So I can tell you the thief is dexterity. dexterity. You see dex is the a top thing there. And for the barbarian, I think it's strength. Strength or con, okay. depending on how you want to play it. So from there, typically what you would do is take your top stat and put it in that uh, ability. So not the number in the parentheses, the number to the left of the, the parentheses? The number in the parentheses is the modifier. The modifier. Yeah. Okay. And what you'll do is you'll write the number on the top and the modifier on the bottom. And I'll explain how that works a little bit. It only comes into play once or twice in the entire game, but it does matter. Alrighty. So JJ, you had already started putting yours in. I did. What do you? What, what did you choose for your progression of, of stats? Um, the top stat would be Constitution, which gets a sixteen, followed by Strength at fifteen, Dex at thirteen, Charisma at twelve, Intelligence at nine, and Wisdom at eight. Okay, sounds and, pretty good. And one thing to keep in mind too is mm -hmm. knowing where the split is for the modifier because it's a little different from what we're used True. to in a D twenty world. That's a negative one. Yes, and thank you. What you'll see as your character levels up, each level you can put <laughs> one point into one stat. So the number or the stat that is currently a fifteen, when it goes to sixteen, will be a yeah, plus, two. plus two. Your twelve, when it goes to a thirteen, will be a plus one. If your eight goes to a nine, it'll go to a zero. So think about where you put them and where you might put a point, either to make it a little better or just to make it average. Exactly. Strength's really going to come in handy because all hack and slash is like strength, strength, yeah. strength. So, I know. Yeah. So uh, on, on your strength, it being the 15, it might be the one your level 2 goes up to 16. Exactly. So, okay, so a little bit of advice here. So yeah. my character, um, the way I, I envision her is she has to have, obviously, a lot, a high decks in order to be able to slip people things when she needs to. Um, charisma. Hey, yo, like roofies. <laughs> or whatnot. Charisma in order to be able to talk these guys into what you she wants. You need to learn charm person from him so you don't need to uh -huh. uh, slip roofies anymore. I don't need to slip roofies? Yeah. Oh, damn it. How am I going to get some? <laughs> that's, lifting, that's lifting roofies. Yeah. So charisma would be the second highest. Okay. But then I put intelligence as third highest. Mm -hmm. Should I change that to maybe strength or... Something else? I get, so it, it depends on your weapon. Yeah. Because She's like, going to use a rapier. Then that would pull off of dex, so strength is, <clears throat> is not as important. I mean, you'll, you'll use it a lot, but I mean, if you want her to be smart, then uh, that, mm -hmm. Yeah, she does need to. She has I, to be smart. I think you want the intelligence there. The, the, um, I'm not so, smart, and he's not smart. <laughs> so someone's got to be smart. <laughs> he smart. is Mike's smart. always smart. Yeah. Uh, so where that comes into play, like, like Mike had mentioned, that dex... If you remember in Dungeons & Dragons, there are finesse weapons that use decks instead. In Dungeon World, the tag is precise. If you have a weapon that says precise on it, that uses decks, and a rapier is. Yes. So you will use decks when you hack and slash. Fantastic. So that, 
to me, a, a character like that, you'll be better at all ranged stuff, whether it be a bow or throwing a rock or anything that isn't hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. And when you get into hand-to-hand, you'll want a specialized weapon that takes advantage of your dexterity. Awesome. I think intelligence is a good choice based on how you've already described yourself, mm-hmm. being knowledgeable, being yes. able to use your wiles. knowledge and your wiles with the charisma. I think yes. that makes sense. And okay. to continue with the roofie thing, I mean, she is a poisoner. Yeah. She does have Until poisons. There's, 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 there's a method to the madness. <laughs> <laughs> She's more like a spy. Yeah, I think like MI5 yes. would be today. She's not like good enough for MI6. No. <laughs> MI5 is just... You know, they're that much more dangerous because you've never heard of them. <laughs> they're uh-huh. like 007. <laughs> um, all right, so we have both of your stats, and you have the modifiers with that. Now, let me tell you where that comes into play because it's the next step, setting your maximum hit points. If you see, that little heart there on the sheet has the word constitution plus a number. So you use the constitution, not con. Con is the modifier. Use constitution, which for Mickey ears is 12, so mm-hmm. 12 plus, what is the number in there? Six. So, so you'll start with the 18 hit points. 18. And JJ, what does... Uh, I get 8 plus constitution, so I am at a 24. Very nice. So my That's max nice is also 18. Number. Yes. Okay. That is a beefy number. Yeah. Beefy. Now, the next step is choosing starting moves. Um, There's the beef. If under starting moves you have any check boxes, then you have something to choose from. The the rogue or the thief does have something to choose from as far as which poison you start with, mm-hmm. although it's not really a checkbox, so it's one that's a little different. Yeah. So you can pick which poison you'd like to start with. Choose your poison, right? I choose my poison. Uh, okay. JJ, you do have a choice there for the barbarian. I do. I have multiple choices. What do you got? Um, I can choose either between full plate and packing steel or unencumbered. Unharmed, and you chose the latter. I chose unharmed. Yes, I chose to. Um, so long as I am below my load limit and carrying neither armor nor shield, I gain plus one armor. Hmm. Cool. And then well, the, well, other, the other have given you the other one is I ignore the clumsy tag on armor. So he can wear the big bad plate, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't be bumbling around. Yeah. And what would plate have given you on a on your plus to armor? Do you know? Uh, I, I don't actually get to three, wear full I can't plate. Remember. If you have, so the, the way this game works is anyone can wear anything. When it comes to armor, it doesn't mess with, uh, like for the wizard, if he wore full plate, it wouldn't mess with his spells. It messes with everything. That clumsy tag on heavier armor means you get a negative one to anything you try. Anything at all. Even thinking. <laughs> if, you're, if you're wearing clumsy armor and you're not adept at wearing it, you get a negative one to anything you try. And then the other thing I had to um, choose between is Herculean Appetites. Ooh, I'm curious of what this one turned out to be. Can you read what they are from I will, the I will read the description of Please it and it. then the, um, the six I can choose from. Others may content themselves with just a taste of wine or dominion over a servant or two, but you want more. Choose two appetites. While pursuing one of your appetites, if you would roll for a move, instead of rolling two die six, you roll one die six plus one die eight. If the die six is higher, is the higher die of the pair, the GM will also introduce a complication or danger that comes about due to your heedless pursuits. I chose, of the six, of pure destruction, power over others, mortal pleasures, conquest, riches and property, fame and glory. I chose conquest and fame and glory. All right. Mm. Interesting. Not nice. what Kurt would have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you two guesses. <laughs> <laughs> so you do that that weird roll 
when you're going after those two things. When those two yeah. things especially. So like, so that when J.J. describes Strong Dawn as pursuing something in, as part of a conquest or to gain fame and or glory, he will roll a D6 and a D8. And, and if rather the than, D6 is the higher of the two, then I make something bad happen. So that's the seven or nine. How no. do you determine what's mm. fame and glory? I mean, I would think two-thirds of what we would do might qualify. The same way we determine what an elf is. We just think it up. Yeah, if that's, I can make it work. this game. That is Dungeon World. If I can make it work, I can use this roll. You got that's it. That's the thing. It could be two-thirds. Which means I kind of pull a D8 out. Wants to I was told this was a D6 game. Apparently, I do a D10 damage. Oh, I'm you rolling chose D8s. a D8 character. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, everything you do is 2D6, unless you're JJ and playing the Barbarian. And then your damage <laughs> is varied based on the class. Right. Uh-huh. So, Mickey, what did you end up with? Um, so, your starting so move my, is? My starting move is I'm a trap expert, okay. which means I can spend a moment to survey a, dan- a dangerous area. And then it's got some instructions here. And if I spend, I've got a hold and I get to ask some questions about said trap. Mm-hmm. And I've got tricks of the trade, which means I pick locks or pockets or disable All right, there's going to be some dice rattle here one second. Whoa! That's pretty cool right there. Then I also have backstab, which means when I attack a surprised or defenseless enemy with a melee weapon, I could choose to either deal my damage, and on a plus 10, I choose two of the ones below, Mm -hmm. meaning I don't get into melee with them, so it's just kind of like a stab and run, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or I can deal my damage, or I can create an advantage, or reduce their armor by one until they repair. You get to pick which one of those on any... Attack. On a Under backstab. On, on a 10, 10 plus. plus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. So the super success thing. And then on a 7 through 9, oh, and on a 10 plus, I choose two of the ones I just read. On a 7 through 9, I choose one. Cool. Of the ones I, I just like that. read. Then I also have flexible morals. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Means that um, so if someone tries to detect my alignment, I can tell them any alignment I choose. And I'm a poisoner. So as a poisoner, I get to choose from one of the four poisons listed, and that means that I, I'm an expert at this, so I've developed immuni- immunity to this poison, and I pretty much get, what, three free uses? <laughs> He's making more and more noise. I'm trying to talk over it, James. Okay. And the poison, to be quiet. <laughs> the poison I chose was golden root, which means... Not one, lyocaine powder? No, not lyocaine. Inconceivable. <laughs> Inconceivable. Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. So golden root. The target treats the next creature they see as a trusted ally until proven otherwise. So that can come in handy. That's Ooh. cool. I like that. Those options on that. There's some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, so we have uh, the starting moves there, and the next um, the next step is choosing alignment. So what you'll see, just like what we said with the races, you'll see alignments on the sheet. Uh, keep in mind that alignment. Don't think Dungeons and Dragons alignment. What that alignment means is your character's tendencies. It is not everyone in the world who is chaotic does this. This is you have chosen chaotic. This is the theme of chaotic for you. But it does not mean that everyone in the world who is chaotic has the same uh, theme, the same goal. So, Joe, like uh, Mickey, just one of her starting moves said something like when someone asks her her alignment, she can say whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. How, why, how would it play out that someone would ask her alignment in-game? So in our, uh, our characters that we're playing now, nobody picked the paladin, which can sense evil, and the, the, there's an option for evil on the, the, the uh, thief. And nobody picked a cleric, which has a detect alignment, I believe, as one of the spells. 
Um, so it won't play out between the characters. However, if there is a reason for an NPC from my side to care about the alignment of a PC, mm-hmm. then she can disguise hers. I see. That's the easiest way to put it. So there may be something like the, the paladin uh, detecting evil knows who the evil thing is. Everybody attack the evil thing, right? And there, that, that can also play out from the NPC side, that there could be a paladin out there that is looking for evil creatures to destroy. And it's really the, the sentence underneath the alignment that you're looking at because that is what you're going to gain XP if you actually achieve that. So if you, even if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm, I'm not chaotic, I'm not evil, but if you want to try to go for that sentence, you might be chaotic in that sense. Right, I had to switch because I, I wanted to play a chaotic character, but then when I read my sentences, I realized that wasn't really how I envisioned him playing, and I was more of what, what they call neutral. So I, when I made my character, I made him neutral because I was thinking D&D chaotic, and it's not the same like Joe said. So are they always, are the alignments just chaotic, neutral, and evil? So no, every, no, every character has every different character ones. Has their own. A- every mm-hmm. class has a difference in race and alignment. Okay. Everyone. Um, I don't think there are any duplicates. There are some that are pretty darn close, but I don't think there are any verbatim duplicates. So what we'll do, let's start with Mickey. What did you end up picking? Well, uh, say what the three choices were and then tell us the one you picked. So the three choices were chaotic, meaning leap into danger without a plan, neutral, avoid detection or inf- infiltrate a location, and evil, which means shift danger or blame from yourself to someone else. And I chose neutral. Okay. So what that means is that your tendency is going to be towards what that thing says in neutral. And as Mike pointed out, if you are able to fulfill that during a game session, when we do the end of game uh, move, which is on your basic move sheet, the back of the basic move sheet, you will get an experience, uh, not your character sheet, but the basic move sheet, the other one, JJ's got one. Um, it, It actually tells you under end of session, if you fulfill your alignment, you get an experience point. Okay. So that's another way to level up. It's playing your character towards what you intended your character to be. And as we go through, if you decide that anything printed on the seat, the sheet doesn't fit you anymore, you can write yourself a new alignment. And as long as we agree to it, that's your new alignment. And it, you can stay neutral and write a different line, and we'll just uh, go with whatever the new one is. JJ, what were your choices there? I could choose between either chaotic and neutral. Mm-hmm. Chaotic being... I don't even know this word because I'm a barbarian. Eschew <laughs> a convention of the civilized world. Okay. And neutral being teach someone the ways of your people. Okay. Mm. And I chose to be neutral. Okay. I'm going to teach someone the superior ways of outdoor living. So that's kind of interesting in that it, kind of, it, it works with that race move where at the beginning of each session, I will be asking you something about your homeland. And that could be part of the ways of your people, which exactly. then you can try and work with uh, the alignment during a session. Don't wipe your butt with that leaf. That one's bad. <laughs> or that CD. Don't wipe your butt yeah. with that CD either. I feel um, like your characters uh, would be one of those reality show contest or people from one of those many Alaska wilderness shows that are out now. <laughs> you know. Ice fisherman tent of death. Yeah, exactly. Don't wipe your ass with that leaf. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> this is Alaska, boy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll rip it clean off. That's right. Uh, Let it freeze off and then just take it off. We have just about all of the front of the sheet done. The next step we're going to do is flip the sheet over, and you're going to choose gear. We don't choose bonds. We don't have it yet. Okay. (laughs) So on the top 
uh, on the back of the sheet, you have a gear section. You're going to choose from the different sections within there, the subsections. So there's probably a section for armor, weapon. There may be a separate sep- section for just weapon and then some extra gear. Um, what does the, the, the thief have there, Mickey? The thief has her armed weapon, I have already said, is a rapier. Okay. A rapier, witch. And um, her close-range weapons will be throwing daggers. And then it says choose one from either an adventuring gear or healing potion. Mm -hmm. And I chose a healing potion. Okay. Let me tell you what adventuring gear is because it may or may not change your mind. First, a healing potion is a one-time use. Heal a certain amount of hit points. Flat out. Normal hit point uh, healing potion. Adventuring gear is essentially a pack, a backpack, a waist pack, fanny pack, who knows what. But it's a container that you carry around with you that has five uses. And in this in this item in Dungeon World, what that means is anytime you need some mundane item, so you walk into a dark cavern, like I want a torch, gra- go into your adventuring gear, grab a torch, mark off a use. If you need a rope, um, I use these examples, I think, every time. I-, I wish I had a rope that I could tie across here. Well, go into your pack, pull out the rope, mark what off the another use. What the fuck you need a rope for? Uh, whenever you need that, uh, you know, that 50-foot chain or the 10-foot pole, well, it's probably in that bag. It's your, it's your Mary Poppins bag. Yes. So it's my go bag. Uh, yes. Thank you for explaining that, because now yeah. I've, ch- I've changed my mind. So my character... Okay, so am I bound in this game? And I, you and I have had many discussions about Dungeon World and mm-hmm. how it's not in color for me yet. Um, so I can see, kind of with my character's backstory, she was an urchin that was taken in by um, a master criminal thief... Lander. And she was a street urchin, not she was a sea urchin. A street urchin, okay. yes. They're very name? different. What? Was the name Fagin? It was Twist? Oh, See, as soon as you say that, everyone's like, yeah, but nobody even thought of it. That's pretty cool. No, um, so she was kind of taught the ropes by her mentor. And along the line, she, she learned the art of disguise, where Ooh. she can change her appearance and kind of blend in, disappear, never be seen but again. But not into a golden eagle. Not into a golden, like not shape shifting, <laughs> magical out, stuff. Just out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not into a grizzly bear. So uh, we have people that can already do that, but they do it better. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen me. Do that yet. <laughs> any, any who's. Yeah. So but can you do cleavage? What, I know, right? <laughs> That'd be really nice. Can you do cleavage? Do some more push-ups. <laughs> if you could, if you could just change into cleavage, he can change into a more furry beaver and just let him sleep. <laughs> uh huh. Or a cow. A mountain beaver. Uh, I've already told him to change into a cow. He won't do it. He can change into domesticated, domesticated animals. animals. I was like, okay. a cow, be a cow. Okay, yeah. Mickey, go uh, yeah. on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good game. Yeah. So part of my, my, my tools for, of the trade, if you will, you know, my extra, what's that called? The uh, Leg? The, no, the, uh, the garter belt and all that good stuff ah. would be oh, all in garters. my adventuring gear. Okay. Okay, I got it. Cool. Yeah, so anytime you're looking for that, and, and it's the same kind of um, when you go to buy more. So say you use it all up, you'll go and we'll just say you find a shop and you buy another pack of adventuring gear. It's not like you need to go buy more ropes or anything. Just going to throw it out there. We, you know, we want to be very sensitive gaming, particularly with ladies, but we've got a hot redhead wearing garter belts in the game. Mm. It's going to be hard for me. It's going to mm. be Just awesome. throwing it out there. <laughs> All right, so we have your gear there, and what we're going to do is we're going to take one step from that while we're talking about your character. What did you pick for armor? Anything? No, there's no choice. There's leather armor. belts, right? Yeah. Oh, leather armor. Leather, come on. That's like not even a choice. It's leather armor. So you have one armor. So what what we look at there is you have... 
Yeah, in leather armor. So flip your character sheet back over, and you'll see an armor right in the middle. So Put right a here. one in that. Armor in this game is damage reduction, straight up. So okay. if you're taking five points of damage and armor counts, you'll take four. Okay. Okay, so that will um, almost finish us up here. The, the other thing we're going to want to look at is your load. And, and the reason I do these right now is because they're actually not in the character creation. They don't even mention it. But your load is your strength modifier plus a number. So it's nine. Okay, so your load is nine. And now, while we switch over to JJ, look at the different things you have and figure out where you currently sit. Four. JJ, what do you have? What does Strong Dawn start with for some uh, equipment? All right, so I automatically carry dungeon rations, um, a dagger, and a token of someplace I've traveled. And then I get to choose glove. between <laughs> snow glove refrigerator <laughs> magnets. <laughs> I get to choose between either an axe or a two-handed sword. It's a Fabergé egg. And I have chosen the two-handed sword of those two. Okay. And then between adventuring gear and dungeon rations or chainmail, I have chosen to get adventuring gear. Okay. So uh, on that now, you've probably done it already, but let's do the same thing we just did with Mickey. Look at the uh, armor you have. And I, I don't think you had a shield option, so it's just I, the armor. I don't have any armor because I am unencumbered, unharmed. Which means one. He gets a one. Plus one. So yep. make sure you write a one there so you keep that in mind. And then figure out your, your load based on My what load you have is there. nine. Okay. Can, can I ask you about that just because I didn't understand it before and I should have asked further? Um, so you get plus one being unarmed, is it, but the alternative would unarmored. be. Unarmored. Unarmored, I mean. Yep. Uh, the alternative would have been you can wear any armor. Without the penalty of wearing armor, essentially the clumsy penalty. So if you had plus two plate mail or something, you could conceivably get a higher mm-hmm. armor. So are you making that decision just for flavor because you for want flavor? To- okay. And it also means that he doesn't have to worry about the load that armor uh, carries with it as well. So granted, it provides more protection, but it will be heavier. That's true. That's true. And when we're keeping an eye on those resources, it'll mean that he can't carry as much loot, so That's to speak, true. right? Yeah, I am currently at five load. Okay. And Mickey, how did the thief end up? No, at? sorry, six load. Four. Four out of what was it? Out of nine. Out of nine, okay. So in this game, it, so many resources um, are, are maintained easier. So the, the amount that you can carry is some very basic units. And when we pick stuff up, we'll try and keep track of that. Uh, and then the last piece is going to be introduce your character, but we're actually going to do that as we get started with the, the next recording where the bard comes and meets you guys. Um, and your introduction will be how he ends up finding you. Okay. Okay, so we're going to wrap this one up. And so we, we now have, if Mickey, if you would just mention who your character is, and then JJ. So we have Demaya. And Strong Dawn. Great. Demaya Strong the Dawn sleek, <laughs> attractive... <laughs> You know, not, not to be confused siren. with Strong Dong. Long Duck Dong. I've never been so happy in my whole life. Uh, what, what, what the fuck's a frustration? Shiro? <laughs> you have too many kings. You need to give me some of those. I, I want to look at Robster Cross. So we have this amazing movie references. <laughs> um, and from Adventures from the Shed, we want to thank you for joining us. Everybody say. Penis! Bye. Bye, guys. Penis. We talked a bunch about Dungeon World character creation and the system itself. We've prepared ourselves to launch the Perils of Paradisi campaign. So make sure you tune in for the Adventure Podcasts. 
Thanks for joining us. The preceding podcast was brought to you by Shedcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.